Hi, I'm Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and you're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... There's plenty of people out there that might not think that what I am doing is good or contributing to good. So I'm just doing what I feel I'm supposed to do personally. And that's all anyone can really do is what we're compelled to do, what we're inspired to do, what gives that 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 physical action some kind of direction to go in. Once it's required, then it's not coming from that place of pure inspiration. And it's just another rule, you know. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, as well as the GBBpodcast.com. How are you guys doing this week? I am Jamie, doing how are you? Excellent. I feel like um, we, we should have some sort of fanfare music here because we've got a brand new co-host this week. We do. Can we you, have a can, brand new co-host. Can you insert some sort of like trumpet fanfare here? Oh, we will try to. Okay. We will see what we can do. Which which means you're not going to do it. All right. So, do, 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 do. all right. <laughs> on the line, Z, say hello. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Z from Geek Dad and Hipster Please and Professional Ferret Wrangler. I, I don't know. I, I really felt like I needed a third ferret. thing there. And Ferret Wrangler was what came out. So, we're going to go with it. <laughs> Go with it. That's awesome. Do you even own a ferret? No, no. I, All right. Well, now you have got a to. Giant, I've got a giant cat sitting in my lap, but no ferrets. That would have been too. <laughs> well, I mean, anyone anyone that has the name of just the letter Z, <laughs> like that, they they can be whatever they want to be. A cat, the, the, <laughs> a ferret, the regular, mis- whatever. The mystery of my first initial. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys interviewed Andrew WK. Yes. And I was away. We I've been away, and that's why the podcast has not been up for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we skipped a couple of weeks because you've been away. We, that's no excuse, though. No, it's no excuse. We should have been on. I should I have know. been editing from Florida. Yes. I don't know. We should have did it. But anyway, I was away, and you guys love like you guys just stepped in professionally and took over, <laughs> and and uh, you guys got to do the interviews. So how did it go? It went really, really well. I, I will be honest and say that I was not really, um, I, I didn't know what to expect with this one. Uh, Andrew WK, again, I'm, I'm not a huge like fan from way back. Like I always knew who he was and I was aware of his music, but he wasn't like one of those guys who was on regular rotation for when I sit down and listen to some music. Um, but I was always aware of who he was and his re- his newest album, um, do we still call them albums? I mean, it's, you, it, it's, it's, it's still an album. It's still, 
Okay. Much like how, much like how we still Ohio. say we tape things. We aren't actually taping anything, but, you know, it's, we've been saying it for years. It's fine. Well, his new uh, long-playing record. His LP, his full, his LP. full length, as the kids say. Uh, it just came out, and it's been, what, 12 years since his previous Oh, one. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's been, and, and he was weirdly upfront about that. It's like, yeah. you almost expect Andrew WK to be like a wrestler cutting a promo. But in, he looks like a wrestler, doesn't he? Well, and he's got that very manic energy. Like seeing him on stage is just spectacular. He's like a you know he's a, he's the the human dynamo, as they say. But instead, he was very measured and deliberate. He wasn't standoffish, but he was he was mellow and he was just weirdly frank. And I never yeah. know how to deal with somebody <laughs> who is a personality, but who just really kind of comes out of the gate being super honest about everything. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's like, cause that's exactly what it is. Like he, it's the professional persona that he, like the, the public image he puts out is that he's this huge, larger than life personality. You know, you just look at his album covers or the promotional photos that he has out. And it's, he does look like this just huge personality. But if you ever watch an interview with him or have sit down with him, like we just did, he is very friendly, very personable, very frank and very, um, just honest, you know, like, like there, there's no, it didn't feel like, um, he was putting on a show, you know, it was, it really felt like that personality that he puts on for the stage maybe, or for music videos, that is just a show. And when you sit down with him, you get the real guy. Like there's no false pretense. There's no, like, I'm going to give you my, my fake personality for five minutes and then maybe we could chisel that away and you'll get some honest responses. It was like from the very first word, you got the real guy. Yeah, and, and Jamie Jamie went deep. I mean, like, a lot of stuff came up, and at no point did he say. But anyway, you know, with the new album, like, he never yeah. did that. He was he was on the ride with us wherever the conversation went, and it was it was a spectacular interaction. And those kind of conversations are the absolute best when we can kind of go into – I know usually when guests come on the show, they're promoting something. Sure. But but when we can deep dive and, you know, kind of go off the track, we'll give them the promotion. But then it's fun to be able to talk beyond that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get into the, get into what makes them tick and why they do what they do type of thing. Yeah. I, I hate to say that, you know, like I had no expectations, but and that, that doesn't mean I had bad expectations. It was just, <laughs> I didn't know what to expect, quite honestly. And whenever I go in, and this is not the first interview I've gone into, not blind, but just with no expectations. Right. You know, this might sound pretty obvious, but like I, invariably, like I am impressed with I, I walk away like kind of stunned, like, wow, that was really good. Like, you know, that was just like a really great conversation. Like it didn't it didn't hit me until a couple of nights later, but there was something about that interview that reminded me. You, I'm sure you guys remember when you interviewed. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And now I've completely lost the, <laughs> the name. Um, so incredibly memorable. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. The cat distracted me. When you interviewed uh, uh, Ming-Na Wen, when yes. she was doing the Shield yes. uh, 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 promo, like, I remember listening to that as a fan and coming away going, wow, what a genuine, yeah. interesting person. And with Andrew WK, it was similar. It's just, you know, I, I was the guy on the other mic. So there was yeah. an additional level of, of kind of coolness there. 
Yeah, that's a great comparison, actually, because now that you bring it up, it does. It was like she was another person who was just totally honest and totally like one like here I am. This is you know, this is me. Very personable mm-hmm. and like like no big Hollywood star persona there. It was just you like this is what you get. Yeah, you know, and a, a frank, and, a frankness, and an honesty, and it was just, it was enjoyable. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think that uh, the other listeners are going to enjoy it as much as I did. Oh, I hope so. Well, fantastic. On that note, we will be going to play it for you, the <laughs> listener, right now. We hope you enjoy. So, I, I wanted to start off, um, kind of maybe someplace that most interviews are not going to start off, but I. Your dad, your father, is a successful lawyer. Um, and I'm just curious, was there ever a time when you were younger that you were expected to go into law or at least something that was more stable and reliable, in air quotes, than music? Oh, I don't know if there was any expectation. My dad, yes, there was a time when he practiced law, but for the majority of his life, he's been a professor, a teacher. And I think because he was a teacher, he understood that... Uh, there were many paths for a young person's life to take and that the grown-ups and the parents and the authority figures, uh, the best they can do is help to uh, facilitate the natural inclinations of that particular young person. So, of course, he had his concerns, um, but I think he specifically did not want me to go into uh, law or the world that he was in because he had already seen all that world and Hmm. Um, wanted me to have my own life experiences. So it's safe to say that you got um, a fair amount of support from your friends and family when you decided that, you know, oh. what, I'm, this music thing is what are, where I'm going to go. Well, it was an extraordinary amount of support from my parents from the, from the get-go, and really they're the ones to blame because they're the ones <laughs> who introduced me to music. I, you know, they started me on piano lessons when I was very, very, very young, before, uh, really before I could do much anything else. So before I could ride a bike or even tie my own shoelaces, I was starting to learn about that piano. And my dad himself was taking piano lessons, which is why I was even interested in it as a uh, you know two or three year old sitting on his lap and yeah. trying to make this uh, black and white buttoned machine make sounds. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Andrew, I Get Wet, which was your you know huge breakthrough full length, came out in 2001. Uh, how do you think the music industry has changed over the past 17 years? Well, certainly it's changed cosmetically or, or technologically. Um, with music recording and distribution uh, has really been liberated uh, by the, the advances that technology has given it. And, but this, of course, has hurt certain people's positions in the business side of it but if you're a music lover and a music player a music listener the times have never been better there's more accessibility to making music and listening music than there's ever been before and that can only be a good thing for humanity (laughs) how how do you definitely sorry how do you think that you have changed, though? I mean, the, the industry is going to change. Technology is going to come in. The you know distribution is going to change. Have you stayed the same guy, or have you changed along with it? Well, I'm sure, like anybody, I've changed as an individual. My mission, my work, has not changed, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. I really 
look for consistency in the things that I love. And obviously my work is a uh, an amalgam of, of, of all the different aspects of, 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 of life that appeal to me. It's an attempt to create a sense of purpose or an all-consuming project, a quest really that I can apply myself to. And that quest has remained exactly the same uh, since it started, which is to try to achieve this mind, body, spirit connection through the power of partying. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about the, the new record. Um, the title is You're Not Alone. How did you arrive at that? It's, it's a very simple but important title. So I guess I just want to how how did you land on that? Well, You're Not Alone as an album title came very, 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 very much towards the end. I've been working on some of these songs going back as far as 2005, 2006. Wow. There never had been a conceptual uh, through line that I was trying to adhere to or any type of overriding concept other than, as I said before, this um, attempt to conjure up a kind of physical party euphoria through music, this kind of pleasurable, overwhelming wave of life force feeling. But beyond that, I didn't know that there were any necessarily any themes or, 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 or even symbolism in any of the songs that could be uh, considered consistent as an album. Or, 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 or would work together. That was also just because I was over. I, I never have worked that way um, in terms of having, you know, going in with a preconceived idea of a concept album. I, I, I understand the appeal of that and having a framework, but I guess my, my framework is already so specific in trying to create this kind of energizing feeling using the music. That's all I focus on. And I take it one song at a time. And when I finish a song, then I try to do it again in another song sometimes finding different ways to do it or new ways, uh, different chord change, different tempo, but I try to be consistent in hitting that bullseye of, of feeling. Uh, that album title was suggested by my manager. I've worked with him actually since around the same time when I started working on some of these songs, since around 2005. And I had given him a, a, a group of the songs probably in around 2017, 2016 actually. And, uh, he had had not heard many of these songs before, and he said that after listening to them, he had this incredible feeling of of closeness and a type of presence, a type of benevolent, encouraging presence that yeah. came out of the music. And I suppose he identified with me or even with the songs themselves this type of friendship, like there's a, a partner, like a guardian angel there. And so he suggested that title, and I was really struck in one way because I... I it was very straightforward and even slightly generic or perhaps even very generic. Um, but it, it's, it rang in my ear in a, in a way that I was surprised by it. I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized that one of the only songs actually that I hadn't played for my manager yet was this song. I had been going back and forth about, uh, from really, really loving it and thinking it was the best song to having reservations about it for sort of unrelated reasons, uh, or reasons not related to, music the music itself and anyway but one of the main lyrics the main lyric in that song which then also became the song's title was you're not alone mm -hmm. if you're frightened if you're worried you're not alone and he had never heard that song so i thought that was a good omen i always look for those connections those unlikely coincidences to lend significance to the uh sometimes difficult process of making decisions 
creative decision. And I always try to listen to that intuition. And if it comes from some un, unexpected place or another person's suggestion or, or, or any other more happenstance way that isn't just from my own imagination, I have to follow what, what felt right, and that title just felt right. It's interesting that you say that some of these songs you've been working on since about 2005 or so, so and you were you were just looking for that through line, that theme. Um, this is also your first full length release in more than a decade. So I'm just wondering, like, why now? Like, what was it about these songs and this message and this album now that that it, it all just coalesced and came together as one? I really don't know. It just that's when it just was finished. Yeah. If it took another year, it would have come out next year. You know what I mean? Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I I wish I could say that there was very deliberate strategic timing to anything I've done. It's never really, I've never been able to do that. Um, I I, I suppose there are people out there that can, and they can map out a 10-year plan or even a a year-long plan. Um, I've not had good good results from working that way so yeah actually the harder i tried to set aside the time to record the album the the more thwarted my efforts in that in that area would be uh there'd be circumstances that would come up or even amazing opportunities to do other things that would uh, make recording the album quite difficult so it was once i sort of gave up even on maybe even ever doing an album again that all of a sudden there was the the opportunity to do so a, a new record deal the open time to do it and the resources and it just happened, and and I I wish I had more control over those things. You know, I wish in some way I had more control over my destiny. But the party gods just tell me what to do, and I do the best I can to live up to the opportunities that they that they give me. Yeah. So there was a time when you thought maybe internally, whether you didn't speak it aloud or not, that you know there there's just that was it. There's not going to be another album in, in you. It crossed my mind that maybe if if I had tried the hardest I could to assert my will onto my own life and make something happen, and yet it still wasn't happening, I began to accept the possibility that maybe it's not meant to happen. Yeah. It's, a, it's a quiet um, retreat from what we usually think of as, I'm going to force what I want to happen in the world. And I was trying to, to, to listen to what I was meant to do. You know, if I was meant to do that, I figured it would, have, it would, it would, it would flow. And there wouldn't mm-hmm. be this incredible resistance. And, uh, and many times that's, that's the only way I've ever really made decisions is I don't push against walls. It, it, it hasn't worked well for me. Yeah. I'd rather you know, get in front of a freight train and have it push me where it wants to go than, than run head on into the freight train and try to knock it off the track. I think your destiny is trying to tell you something and you can argue with it or you can just shut up and listen. And I try to just listen to what it's, wanting me to do so yeah. if it didn't want me to make an album then i i, I, I wouldn't and i and i didn't for 10 years because that's not what i was meant to do i suppose that's the only way i can look at it without getting really really discouraged and frustrated and depressed yeah i was gonna that's the, that's the zen of andrew wk folks <laughs> <laughs> i mean because i that's it's incredible because so much and we'll, we'll come back to this in a few minutes but so much of your your quote-unquote your brand your music it's about positivity you know it's about beating away that darkness and as a musician to sort of look at that realization that hey maybe i don't have another album in me maybe this is it maybe it's just not meant to be that seems like it's it it could very easily lead you down a dark path so i'm just wondering you know what was it that you turned to how did you keep positive about that 
because it, it's not about the album. It's not about the songs. It's not about the music. To me, it's about this sensation, this feeling, this phenomenon, this this power that comes from music, that actually comes from talking right now like you and I are doing, that comes from many different areas of life. That's what I'm here to serve. I'm not here to serve Andrew WK. I'm not here to serve my appetites. I'm not here to serve my ambitions. And I'm not even here to serve music. Uh, music itself is a means to an end. And that end is that spirit, that 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 life force power. It, it, it's impossible to describe, mm-hmm. but I try to find these words that, that give shape to it. It's that feeling that tells you that there is some truth and meaning in the world. That's what I have to focus on. So if I focus on the other stuff, I start to feel bad and get confused and, and get distraught and get distracted. Yeah. And uh, all I am supposed to do is try to align my ambitions and my abilities and whatever I have to offer this world with that one true purpose of spreading the light, I suppose. That's how people often describe it. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, as long as we're on this topic, so the new album, I mean, you've got these big anthems, you know, these big sweeping sounds and symphonic backgrounds to the, to the songs. But then those are interspersed with these spoken word motivational affirmations. Um, you're, you're essentially, you know, you're giving these short motivational speeches to the listener. And I, I, I'm just, as I was listening, I was wondering, did, did you have someone specific in mind as you were writing those or saying those and recording them? That's a great question. And absolutely me. Yeah. That's what I was telling myself. <laughs> That's what all the, where all those came from. Very, they were recorded very, very quickly at the very end, at the last second before really? the album was, was done. I, I couldn't have possibly waited any longer. In fact, they weren't even recorded during the studio recording process. They weren't even recorded during the mixing process. They were recorded during mastering when you're really not supposed to be recording. It was only oh, wow. the generous nature of the mastering engineer that he even let <laughs> us set up a mic, microphone in his studio and, 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 and bang those out probably in five minutes total i mean as fast as i could record them so i basically ended up just without really planning on it um telling recording what i was telling myself over the past 10 years those are my own you know informal uh inner pep talks so those were all ad-libbed in the moment speeches yeah 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 they were because it was too painful for me to to listen back to them more than one time i mean I, i did them you listen back, I fixed one or two phrases, you know, try to improve the grammar slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then that was it because I was, as much as I was very clear on them being included in the album, it was another idea from a, a person I work in, in my management team, a woman named Karen Glauber. She said, what if you put some motivational speeches on this album? And as soon as, as, soon as she said that I was terrified of the idea, but deep inside, I had no doubt that she was absolutely right. I was going to have to muster up the courage to actually do them. Of course, I procrastinated as long as I could, but I always knew that they had to be on there. That's just what came out was that, um, you know, that's what I try to keep running through my mind so that I can stay on, on track and stay focused. So even though they were really added in that, that 11th hour, like in retrospect, how integral do you think those segments are to that overall message of the album? Well, I didn't, I, I, as much as I felt very sure about 
on an instinctual level that they should be on the album. I, I, I guess I didn't even allow myself to consider whether people would like them or not, or, or like that part about the album. Or I think I was prepared for people to, to have that be their least favorite part of the album. or Because, I don't know, I, I, no one, I don't see that kind of thing happening on many no. triumphant epic rock albums very often, <laughs> um, and possibly for good reason. There's probably a reason people don't put motivational speeches on albums. Um, <laughs> but I think for that for me, reason... challenging. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just say for the, I think for that reason, that's why those those pieces linger more so than some of the songs or some of the lyrics. I think it's those pieces of the album that really stick with you as a listener. Yeah, and and I would argue that while they might not be at home on on a on a regular rock album, they really seemed perfectly tailored for an Andrew WK album. Yeah. Well, that's very kind feedback to hear from both of you, and and certainly I've been very moved and. Very encouraged by the reception in general um, from people that have specifically uh, gotten something out of, out of those speeches, and it just goes to show that you have to trust that instinct, even when it's scary, or even when you, your, your mind is telling you a million reasons not to do something. If your heart is telling you to do it, you don't need any explanation. You don't even need to understand why you have this strong instinct to do a particular thing or go in a certain direction. And that's what I try to do. I just really, that's why, again, the idea of trying to plan anything is almost impossible because how can you plan intuition? You know, it just comes and then you try to go. Do yeah. what it tells you to do. I'm, I'm curious, you know, we're talking about the, the motivational work that you do and the positive messages in your, in your career. And you were recently named Person of the Year by the American Association, Association of Suicidology. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, as someone who's found success in the public spotlight, someone who has a platform and an audience, do you feel that it's a requirement to use that platform and to use that privilege to do as much good as possible? Or is it just something that you personally feel that you should be doing? It's just something that's happened. I yeah. don't even know, uh, you know, I'm not even so sure that that's what I am doing. I mean, I, I wouldn't even be so bold as to declare that I am doing good because there's plenty of people out there that might not think that what I am doing is good or contributing to good. So I'm just doing what I feel I'm supposed to do personally. And that's all anyone can really do is what we're compelled to do, what we're inspired to do, what gives that, that, that physical action, some kind of direction to go in. Once it's required, then it's not coming from that place of pure inspiration. And it's just another rule, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so you've been, you're a musician performer, uh, you've, gone, you've done production, you've been a radio and television personality, a motivational speaker. You've had this really spectacular kind of eclectic career arc. Is there is there a common thread that really binds all that together? Just that, you know, doing the next thing for, for, for good? Well, it does fortunately all fall for me under the umbrella of entertainment industry or show business. I mean, it's it's not as though I'm uh, a great mountain climber on one hand and then a, a poet <laughs> on the other or, or you know, or, or studying, uh, you know, ancient religions or anything like that. I, I, it is quite a narrow range of activity. Uh, and that's important to me because I actually don't like to start to feel quite anxious about the idea of doing many different things. I really only do want to do one thing, which is serve the party gods and promote the power of partying. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's actually the, the first track on the new album is called The Power of Partying. What is it about partying that's so important? I needed to come up with some type of mindset, some way of looking at the world, some attitude that could be completely fundamental on one, on one hand, but also that I could incorporate day-to-day as a lens to look out at the world through. And I tried to think of what was the most exhilarating and joyous attitude to have, and that would be celebrating the fact that you exist at all. You know, if you can party uh, because it's Friday and you're glad the work week's over, or you could party because it's, you know, New Year's and you're glad that the, the whole new year is coming, what if you're partying just because you got the chance to exist? And trying to decide, even in the face of great struggle or suffering, trying to declare, well, I don't know if life is good in the definitive sense. Maybe there is a a glass half full, glass half empty wrestling match that will always be going on. But what if I could develop an attitude that looked at the wrestling match itself as a kind of positive, that said, hey, just being able to look at the glass and wonder if it's half full or half empty is a positive thing. So try to have this transcendent attitude that says, you know, maybe it, it is irrational to look at all of existence as some kind of incredible celebratory expression of goodness. But if I have to decide on some definitive attitude to have, that seems like the best one to have for me. Yeah, I can't find yeah, any definitely. fault in it. No, <laughs> it's, riddled, it's riddled with faults, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> we won't dig too deep. I was, you know, in reading, you know, up about you know you and your life and preparing for this. I found a quote that I really loved. And somebody, I'm sure this has been asked of you a million times, but somebody asked you, what was the best party you've ever been to? And your response was, the one we're in right now. And I just thought that was brilliant. (laughs) Well, thanks. I mean, that's that's just another way of describing an ancient perspective. But it is how I feel genuinely, because I also have a very difficult time uh, trying to pick and choose from the richness of life, what is the best? You know, I don't want to just think, well, that was the best party and everything else is second best. Yeah. I, I, and it, it, I guess it's what they call living in the present moment, but I also don't know how you can't be in the present moment. Everything that's ever happened happened in the present moment and it's still happening in the present moment. And that's got to be where the party's at. Yeah. You're mindful whether you want to be or not. That's a really interesting way of well, looking at it. Well yeah. said. Yeah, you're partying whether you realize you are or not. Yeah. Uh, I I can't have you here and not ask, not talk about the album cover art. Um, you got Julie Bell and Boris Vallejo to do it, which, I mean, come on. Could you have found anybody better than that, really? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm so glad that you feel the same way. Yeah, oh, they're, they're, they're geniuses. They absolutely are. They are highly regarded, and yet I still feel like they're underrated. Yeah, and that's saying a lot because they're they're just the way that you're talking about them. I feel the same way as do uh, so so many people. They are the reigning king and queen of fantasy art, um, and yet I can't say enough good things about them. And, and not just their art, but now having the chance to work closely with them, they're also extraordinary people. And that doesn't always happen. You'd like to think that extraordinary artwork has to come from incredibly wonderful people but it's certainly yeah. not always the case it's not always true. Be, <laughs> yeah two of the warmest and most thoughtful and open-minded 
creative people I've ever met, let alone had the chance to work with so closely. Yeah. And I couldn't be more thrilled with the work they did and, and, and how we got to put that cover together. So where did that concept come from? Did you have that image in mind or did it come about through a collaboration among the three of you? It, it, we had a lot of ideas back and forth for a considerable amount of time. And, and they were quite different than that idea. I, I proposed some some really intense ideas that we were pretty committed to. And then in the last second, I scrapped all of them. Hmm. And this just goes to show how patient Boris and Julie are and how open-minded they were. They were very patient with me as we went through all these different proposals. And that was sort of the least dramatic idea out of all the ones I proposed. It was the quietest and the most still. And actually, I didn't realize this until later, but all my album covers for my full-length albums, they all have a stillness to them. Mm-hmm. There's a, a type of static intensity to the, to the imagery, and this is another example of that. And I wasn't sure if, if one, if it was going to be a very good image, or two, if they were going to like it. But as, as I started to describe it to them, and we got more and more in-depth into composing it, uh, they both felt very confident about it, and I really followed their lead at that point. I remember Boris very specifically saying, this is going to be a very powerful painting. He said he, he could already see it mm-hmm. taking shape, and so once they felt that way, I just was along for the ride. Uh, what do you want people to think about when they when they first see that image before you know a single note of the album has been played? What What do you want that cover, how do you want that cover art to grab them? I just want them to feel what it feels like to look at that painting. That's what's so exciting about artwork. Um, you know, when you look at a painting, of course your mind goes off on, and can go off in many different directions, but there's a feeling, there is a physical sensation of looking at a piece of work. And, and that, that's why that painting is, is, is powerful. And again, I, I, I'm, I can brag about it because I didn't paint it. You know, I don't have to be modest. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't have to be modest for I that. That's true. I don't know what they did to bring that about. There's a real type of magic there. It, it's not as easy as saying, "Oh, well, it's the colors or the composition." I mean, of course, those things are striking elements to it. But there's some, there's something deeper that is being drawn out by the technique that they use, by the arrangements of the main uh, figures in in the painting and the main the main uh, essences of it, it's drawing into something probably mystical, you know? It, it really is. It's a mystical painting uh, because there's no logical reason it should resonate or feel as striking as it does. And I've, I've, I've seen many people react to it on a, in a profound way. And they, you know, it's not because, oh, it makes you think of this exact thing or, oh, it, 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 it has this kind of feeling. It just, it just has a strong feeling. And that's yeah. the best because then it can really, because of that mystery, it can it can live and it can breathe and it can change and it can grow. And you can look at it one way and then you can look at it another way. And you can look at it one week and then go back and, uh, the next week and have it mean something different to you. Um, you know, that's art can be really a living entity in that way. Do you have the original? The original, fortunately, is still in the, the possession of Boris and Julie. Okay. I, I don't have the... <laughs> the way to travel with it, um, or oh, even yeah, to store yeah. it properly. So I'm very happy. It, it, the best place for it to be is in the hands of the artist. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about the positive message and the positivity and the awards and the accolades. Um, 
It, recently, though, I have, you know, away from music, away from the industry in which you are working, it just feels like negativity is just swallowing us all up. News, social media, politics, it, it just feels like it's never been more negative, a more negative time. Uh, and it's, it's never been easier to, to, to fall into that darkness. Um, do you feel like in your career you've made any headway in, in warding off the darkness, either for yourself or for people that you've touched and the, the, your listeners? Or is it just one never-ending fight? Like, is there no end in sight? I don't want to believe that it's never-ending. Just like I, I do want to believe that there is an essential truth and meaning to life. Mm-hmm. I, believing in that makes life work better for me. Deep down inside, do I think there's evidence that will prove that to me? No, I mean, there's a leap of faith involved. And so in a, in a, in a similar sense, I have faith that this does not have to be an endless battle. But there's easier for me, there's, there's, there's alternate perspectives to take that make the wrestling match more manageable. And I think actually wrestling is a great example. I'd say classical athletic wrestling. No wrestler goes into the ring without awareness of what they're getting involved in. And they realize that, it's, that they're, they're choosing to wrestle this opponent and that it's a noble physical effort. And that there may be a game element to it, like someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. But they enter in even with that understanding. And I think we can look at some of these great questions and these great challenges and these great interactions with something even as intense as as raw negativity as a, a, a worthy wrestling match for our soul. It's not even just like wrestling. It's not really there to beat and then cast aside because a, a great wrestler is going to have many matches and it's sort of all those matches strung together in a way are one long unending wrestling match. But it, there's something about the act of engaging in that challenging struggle that brings out your best, that causes you to develop new strengths, that, that, that gives you a reason to become strong. And I don't want to say we need negativity, but it seems that it's a, a an inherent aspect uh, a partner with what we call positivity and it's hard to see it as a, 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 an equal partner but we we can get help by looking at something as, as as timeless as the yin and yang that these things somehow do work together and it doesn't mean that they'll always feel good but if we can learn to to to, to, to extract goodness from even the most harsh experience then is it really all that negative that's our that's our test that's the test that I think we all can pass. Yeah, so so it's like if you're if you're struggling for life or love or art, you have to acknowledge that the struggle is part of life and love and art. Absolutely, well said. It's acceptance. It doesn't it doesn't alleviate the pain, but it puts it in perspective and it makes it meaningful rather than just complete futility. Andrew WK, I, I know we've run out of time with you. I wish we could keep you here for at least another hour just because this, <laughs> we could just keep talking and this has just been a great conversation. But I just, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'd, I'd love to come back on. We can do round two and have a, an encore party together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. When you've got Definitely. a little bit more time, we'll, yes. have, we'll have you back for round two. 
Thank you for, for, for including me and, and, and stay strong, stay focused and keep the party going. Okay, so the conversation before we were talking about when guests come on and they surprise us, and I, it just reminds me of we were first doing our podcast, Jamie, and most of the interviews we had done had gone pretty, you know, stuck to the questions, and they went bang, bang. You know, we went down the line, nothing crazy, and then we interviewed Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy, I mean, it was a fantastic interview, a lot of fun, but... I remember he calls us from like his car, his speakerphone in his car. He called us. He was stuck yeah. in LA traffic and we yeah. got him for an hour <laughs> oh because of God. that. Like, he just, he just kept talking. It was amazing. like, he, yeah. Like he called us, I think like when he first got in the car right. and it took him an hour to get to wherever he was going. And we had and, him that and entire he time. Was, he, he was like asking us questions. Like, Tell me what you think about this start. Yeah. What you think about it? What, what Star Trek should be like? Yeah, I remember because I asked him, yes. there was that Netflix, I don't know if it was a Netflix original, but it was a, do- it's a documentary yeah. on Netflix about the making of the next gen, like the first few seasons. And I asked him about that. I said, had you, have you seen it? And how much were you aware of, of what was going on behind the scenes? And he was like, no, I haven't seen it. But what yeah. do you think about that? You're right. And he just started asking me. And I think that was the first time, like you and I talked afterwards and we we're like, that yes. just felt like a conversation. <laughs> like it was, it was like such exactly. an eye opener for us. How many times did you bring up gargoyles? That's the question. <laughs> it came up. There's Trust only, me, it came there's up. There's only one thing I want to talk to anybody from TNG about, and that's how great gargoyles was. And don't get me wrong. I love Next Generation, but gargoyles. <laughs> gargoyles. Yeah. It, I mean, there's no contest. Come on. I mean, we've had lots of Star Treks, but have we ever had another Gargoyles? I think not. I think not. And it's, you know, we had um, um, Greg, Greg, oh my God, I'm going to butcher it. Greg Weissman, right? And he was, it's a guy who did Young Justice, but he was also the creator of Gargoyles. So we talked to him and we were like, you, when is this coming back? Because <laughs> How come this is the you know, one property that hasn't been relaunched? <laughs> exactly. Like, like. And I'm, I'm, I'm throwing, showing our hand here, but this morning I talked to the EP executive producer behind the new Muppet Babies. It's so like Muppet Babies is getting a relaunch. Yeah, How come Gargoyles? And if we're going there, why not Darkwing Duck? I'm just saying. Man, I, yeah. I, how have we gotten this far into the DuckTales relaunch and then not at least been like, you guys know, you guys know Darkwing's coming, right? right. Like we're, he's he's got to be coming. Be. Have you guys watched all the, I mean, because Gizmo yeah. Duck's mm-hmm. on there. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for a cameo, even even a cameo of of Darkwing out of out of costume. <laughs> All right, you know I'm 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 being hopeful. I'm thinking I'm thinking that Jim Cummings couldn't do the voice because he was too busy doing that yes. Christopher Robin uh, movie. So now that that's done, maybe he's gonna get in the booth for let's some. Let's call Jim. Yeah, let's I would. Find out. I would. I would yeah. settle for uh, Millionaire Playboy Drake Mallard. That would be fine. <laughs> You know? Yes, there you go. What I'm hoping is that we get uh, we get Darkwing, and then we find out what Launchpad has been doing all the time. He's not on <laughs> yes. screen. Yes. Yeah. My God, I just want a buddy. It's a one buddy show. I mean, is that too much Seriously, to ask for? Man. And, don't, and don't get me wrong. Like Dugtales is fantastic. I'm just saying we build yeah. on that. There's more that yeah. can be done. It's a launching. Mm-hmm. I see what you. I see what you, you do. And that's also a launching pad into us having to leave for this week. So, <laughs> oh, we're so good. Um, thank you guys for coming back every single week. Thank you, Z, for being a co-host. Um, I haven't listened to the interview yet, but just from this doing this with you, I can tell that you you were phenomenal. 
<laughs> You're not supposed to tell people you actually haven't listened to it. Oh, people know. People know. I was going to say, he, he's got to edit it. He's going to have to listen to it way more than anybody else. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> <laughs> but no, guys, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor and a pleasure. Where can people find you? Uh, I am at hipsterpolice.com and I'm also, uh, you know, kicking around at geekdad.com. I live two places online, like uh, like the modern man does. <laughs> and you are hipster please on all the social media. On the, everything. All yeah. The, just just throw it in are. there. On the yeah. Twitters. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And I am 140 Justin C everywhere. I'm the Roarbots everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.